Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Today, my guest is Amanda. And Amanda, I'm so excited because you're a former student of mine and you've become a teacher. And so want to tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Amanda. I'm a junior high band director. I teach seventh and eighth grade, and um, I'm a mom to a two-year-old son, Grayson, and I also teach uh, Chinese students English with VIP Kid. Wow, that's exciting. And also, your husband's a teacher, right? A science teacher? Yes, he teaches Mm -hmm. eighth grade science. You know, what is it like teaching seventh and eighth graders because I taught middle school I said was junior high at the time I loved that age group but you really have to have a special kind of personality for that age group especially doing something like band (laughs) um I love teaching junior high kids but I agree I think it kind of does take a special person um they're quirky and they're funny um but their hormones are changing so every day is something different with them and new and exciting and I think that's why I like teaching them yeah I mean who has to get a you know an annual pass to Universal Studios to ride all the roller coaster rides, right? It's like <laughs> when you're in middle school or junior high, that's like, that's the thrill ride every day is the yes. roller coaster, right? <laughs> it with, the, is. with the hormones, exactly. So tell us why, why did you become a teacher? Um, well, anybody who knows me knows from the time I was little, I was going to be a whale trainer at SeaWorld. I was going to be a whale trainer. And my seventh grade English teacher even called me SeaWorld Amanda um, because that's what I was going to do. And then uh, through school, I was really into band and everything like that. And one day, um, the summer of my junior or between junior and senior year, um, I decided I didn't want to be an animal trainer anymore. And then I was having to look at colleges and I figured I should. I needed to know what I wanted to do with my life. I just felt like I didn't want to go to school and pay for a major that I I wasn't going to use. And so I had always enjoyed uh, band and working like my band director would have me help test instruments for his summer band. And I loved teaching the kids how to play the clarinet. Um, And I taught swimming lessons in the summer. So I thought since band was so much fun, I would be a band director. Was that Mr. Waller? It was Mr. Waller. <laughs> shout out to Mr. Waller. Hi, Mr. Waller. <laughs> Yay. 
Yeah, and he went into administration. When I went to the district, I would visit him, and we would always have such a nice time chatting and catching up. Yeah, I still keep in touch with him, too. So. Yeah, well, good, good. So um, what do you think you learned in high school that's had an impact on your teaching now? Like, did you have any, obviously, Mr. Waller had a great impact on you. Anything mm-hmm. uh, else in high school experiences that you had that you are bringing into your classroom now? And it can be even specific to what Mr. Waller did because he was a great band teacher. Uh, he was a great band teacher. And, um, you know, obviously I got a lot of my musical techniques and I'll go to him for advice. Uh, but also a lot of what I carry with me came from your class. And I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> well, um, I wasn't fishing for that. Really, I wasn't. <laughs> I know you weren't. Um, but you always talked about the lentes nueves and looking at everything um, through new glasses. And uh, that's really something I try to bring to my students uh, that left a big impact on me. And so um, that's just always something I keep in the back of my head. Well, that's probably what it, it's probably helping you with teaching English to the Chinese students and everything uh, with, the, the, with the VIP because they definitely have to readjust their lenses and their perspectives and to be able to adjust and, and, and work in the system here for sure. Yeah, I love uh, teaching English to the Chinese kids. Um, they are so excited to learn, and uh, it's um, because you're not within the constraints of school. You know, like VIP kid obviously has their own requirements of you, but uh, it's almost like you get to play and have fun and joke around with the kids. Um, but sometimes, and you can be silly. Um, but sometimes it's challenging, you know, because there is that uh, language barrier there, but you find a way around it, which was a surprise to me how easily you can communicate with somebody who doesn't know any English yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, just think back in our class, it was a lot of silliness, a lot of gesturing, a lot of drawing mm-hmm. pictures, which we do family Pictionary now every Sunday. And my family especially my daughters who are both magnificent artists look at my drawings and they're like is that a cat is that a dog is that a cow is that a person what is that you know my husband refuses to be on my team for Pictionary yeah so but it didn't stop me from drawing things and and (laughs) trying to get my meaning across and my my message so so what brings you joy in teaching Um, I think the same thing that brings me joy in teaching is what brings me joy as a mother. Um, I love watching students and children and people learn. It's so fun to watch them be excited about something and then to take them from nothing to something that they're really, really great at. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's really exciting. You know, I had not really thought about this until you said that and and how wonderful it must be for you as a band director to see the individual growth mm-hmm. of the students and they're all playing different instruments, but then what a magnificent and what feeling, but also what a great metaphor for what we're really trying to do every day in the classroom with differentiation and mm-hmm. trying to get the learning gains for each kid that that's what you're doing every day with a band and you're trying to get them all to harmonize and to play together, but you also have to meet all of their individual needs because they're all playing different instruments and at different 
levels and abilities to be able to do that instrument. So that takes a special kind of person to be able to do that. And it's not just pick up an instrument and, you know, I'm going to teach everybody the same way because they're not all the same. So can you, you know, my beginners were surprised. Um, this year, I feel like more than past years, it was kind of weird, uh, but we always start on their mouthpieces uh, because that's how they're going to get good technique and a good foundation and good sound quality. And they were just so shocked that I didn't hand them a trumpet and say, here you go, play the trumpet. And then uh, they were they were surprised by how challenging it was to play their mouthpieces. And then so happy with themselves. Uh, when they got past that hurdle and they were making good sounds and then they got to play on their whole instrument and this week um, they're finally starting to sound like a band and sounding like individual instruments and and playing three notes and they're just so proud of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know that, that that takes me back to when I was actually in junior high and my uncle was in a big band and he played saxophone and so, and my grandmother went to the conservatory of music and she played piano and my dad played piano and I almost was a music major and, but I took up piano, but I remember my uncle wanted me to play the saxophone. And that was the first thing they wanted me to try out if I could actually use the mouth part of it. And it was so difficult for me. And so I was like, I can't do this. And they said, well, why don't you try the trumpet? You know, that's a different, different type of I guess the way that you have to hold your mouth and everything. And I found it easier. So, you know, here again, I'm just like, I'm having these epiphanies, like, you know, ding, ding, ding. That's, that's differentiation. Like every kid can't do the same thing the same way. Um, and in uh, normal years, when we're not in a pandemic and worried about germs, uh, I'll have every single student will try every single instrument and then uh, we'll talk about what they liked and what they did well at and why they did well at it before we finally pick their instrument. Mm -hmm. So we are in a pandemic and I'm thinking about how difficult it must be as a band director to be teaching in a pandemic, virtually especially. But I have to say that one of the biggest joys that I've had during the pandemic is watching some of the YouTube videos and the things on social media where like musicians got together and, you know, even though they were far apart, they were able to come together and still harmonize and have, and it's just such an amazing thing to see all the little zoom windows and everybody is playing together and stuff. It, it's just music, music people are special. So, so how was, how has it been in a pandemic? Uh, it was challenging. It was trying to, for me, figure out what's so easy when you're in front of people um, and you can have the whole band play. Well, now the whole band's behind the computer and everyone's got different internet speeds. Uh, so that wasn't an option anymore. So I did my best uh, to take what we did in the classroom and adapt it to online. And one of my bands actually did do what you were talking about, where we had the virtual band and we took a piece that we had played earlier in the school year and then the students recorded it and I edited it, it all together so that they sounded like a band again. Mm -hmm. That's where you were talking about your, your, um, the iMovie and having to yes. learn that. And that's something that people don't understand is that like even me with this podcast, I, I had to learn, I had to teach myself, but I'm going to do it because I really have a passion 
to have teachers share their stories. And teachers do that all the time. You had to figure some way out to be able to get those kids to do what you wanted them to do. And if it meant even teaching yourself about iMovie or going and finding other different um, resources and platforms and learning new technologies and that sort of thing. That's and all of the technologies came out of the woodwork, I think, during the pandemic. Every, everyone was like, oh, try my program, try my program. It was kind of a lot at one point. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and on top of teaching, and, and then you're having to learn and teach yourself at the same time. It has really been quite an eye-opening experience and very, very difficult. So what, um, what is the greatest lesson that you want your students to take away with them? Like, what do you want them to know when they leave your class besides to be able to play an instrument? Is there a bigger, bigger picture question and answer that you have for them? Um, well, as far as class, uh, I want them to never give up on themselves and to always keep trying. Uh, you know, all of my students, there's not one student who hasn't made any gains. Um, maybe they're not as much as they would want, but everyone came not playing an instrument and then they leave me and go to high school and they're able to play. Um, and sometimes I had to work past the kids who were like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm just not going to take my test. Well, no, we're going to try because, you know, I can give you points if you can show me the right rhythm or I can give you points if you can show me the right notes. We can do something to make it work. Um, and then I would also, you know, for, for their personal selves, like them to be happy with themselves and to know that uh, they are enough for, for themselves and for the world. Mm -hmm. That's a great message for them to have. And music is healing. Music is something, I know when at West Shore we had the senior project and that was one of the things is that when we follow a, a career path, we may want to study chemistry or we want to become a doctor or whatever, but we still are going to need to fill our souls with other things like art and music and the electives that we talk about, uh, mm -hmm. that those programs are being cut. And it's amazing during the pandemic how all of these came about where people are isolating and social distancing but that is what they were reaching out for the most was music and art and connection and uh, the electives here again. So, so what do you, what, what would be your message for everyone to know about the importance of music in a child's life and in everybody's life, that it's something that it's not just in school and it's something you take out because you know how I am about real world application and how it's got to be real and meaningful. Otherwise, why bother? You know. So what would you have to say about that? Um, you know, it's kind of like you said, music is healing. When so many of our students are having a bad day, you see that they bury themselves in their headphones and they're listening to their music or uh, when they've had a great day and they're leaving to go to the buses, they're, le they're listening to their music. Every time you see a student um, and they're allowed to have their phones, um, you know, they're, they're listening to music and, and that helps them, you know, kind of process the world around them. 
It does. And, and music is creative too. I can imagine that so many kids, when they pick up their instruments and start playing, that that's healing, that it's a way for them to be creative and express themselves. And uh, that's, that's a really important aspect that all of us need in life. And it doesn't mean we're all going to be musicians or music majors or um, my husband always says, you know, I learned how to play the record player, you know, he doesn't <laughs> play any musical instruments. But, but we all can value and appreciate music and how important it is. So what, what kind of um, challenges have you had as far as in schools with music programs and getting funding or resources or, uh, and I remember the band, the, the, the band um, parents association, what do you call the band? The, with all the parents together. Oh, the band boosters. Band boosters. Thank you. It's my age. <laughs> the band boosters. I mean, they, what would you do without them? They are just so wonderful about fundraising and supporting and helping and, and everything. Uh, they are in other counties. Um, actually, our county doesn't really have them. Um, or at least the junior highs at my county uh, doesn't have them. So it's all me. I, uh, i do all the fundraising or, you know, I'm in charge of all the fundraising ideas and um, for our band program. So uh, we have a band fee, which I try to keep um, reasonable so that, you know, all families can afford it. And then, but that kind of gets us started with whatever new music we may need or initial instrument repairs, or if I have to uh, buy an instrument uh, because our band program has grown. Um, that kind of helps to get us started. And then we usually have a fall fundraiser, which goes toward the program. And then I like to do a trip to Disney in the spring. And so then I'll do a spring fundraiser that is to help the kids afford their Disney trip. Mm -hmm. All on top of teaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All on top of teaching. This is what people don't understand. This is what people don't understand. In the business world, you know, we need a stapler and some other office supplies. We'll just have a requisition or we'll just buy it and then turn in an expense report and it's taken care of. And there's no question. You don't have to fundraise for it. Oh no, we, we have paperwork for our paperwork for our paperwork. Exactly. Yes. In the school, the bookkeeper, you want to make sure that you're good friends with the bookkeeper. Oh yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially if you're doing those sort of things where you have to do fundraising or you want to do field trips or like I used to take my AP students and we had all kinds of, you know, fundraising or Spanish honor society. And there are lots of stipulations and regulations and, and paperwork, paperwork, paperwork for that. And that's on top of, here again, just, I just want to teach music. I just want to teach Spanish. You know, I just want to teach social studies. But in order to do that and provide what's needed for the kids, it's like, you have to be the super human teacher that has to learn all these other things and be all these other things and do all these other things. It's not just like, those who can do and those who can't teach, that is such a, that is such a false perception and just a downright lie anymore. It's not even a myth. I would say it's just a lie because it's not I would not agree easy with you. It was a good line for a movie, but, you know, yeah. past that, it's, yeah. it doesn't represent us at all. Yeah. So, so what advice would you have to 
new teachers or someone who is thinking about teaching and they're not sure whether or not to become a teacher, what would you say to them? Because it is, we have a teacher shortage and especially in certain subject areas and music may be one of them because a lot of schools cut the funding first thing. And so te people are like, why would I become a music teacher? Because they probably are not going to have that many jobs available. What would you, what would you say to a new teacher? Um, that was a big loaded question. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> All right, let's break it down into smaller pieces. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the teacher in you. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk this out for a second. No, so um, someone who's thinking about going into teaching, uh, you have to follow your passion. Uh, us teachers, you can ask any teacher and we're not here because of the money. We're here because we love the students so much and we love helping them learn and we love helping them uh, see the potential that they have inside themselves. Um, and so if you're a teacher, you're a teacher and you should, you should follow your passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got it. That was a perfect answer because that's why I called this whole thing the spirit of teaching because it is a calling of the heart. And the whole thing about passion, one day I was thinking about it and I was like, passion, passion, and being a word person, you know, word nerd. I was like, if you just rearrange the letters in passion, it's I pass on. And that's exactly what teachers focus on and should focus on. So if you're a new teacher, don't let the things that are daunting, like all of the standards or the you know, I have to do my lesson plans a certain way, or I'm going to be evaluated, or I have to get the kids have learning gains and get out, you know, from a level one to a level two or whatever it is. You can still get there through passion. It takes a little creativity, but you have to stay focused on what you want to pass on. And you want to pass on that love of learning. You want to pass on that they are valued, that they're important in this world like you said earlier, all those things you said earlier. So yeah, that's, that's what the advice is and what new teachers need to focus on and everything. So Definitely. yes. So are you ready for the rapid fire round at the end or you just complete the thought and there's no right answer, no wrong answer, because it's just, it's um, personal to what you think. And I've gotten different answers from everybody. So, All right, I'm ready. Okay, you ready? Okay. So, teaching is? Um, to me, teaching is uh, life because it's not something that I do for a job. Yes, I go to my job and I get paid to do it then, um, but if a former student needs help, I'm there. Uh, you know, my son is two and everything's new to him. I'm there. Uh, you can't really take, I just everywhere like I am a teacher, that's what I do. So um, you can't, it's not really something that, that okay, I'm gonna drive home and turn that off now. No, I'm always thinking about what I'm going to do next in the classroom, what I can do better, who I can help next, and it, all of that. Oh, and your kids are so lucky to have you. All right, next one. My greatest hope for all children is? Um that they can be happy with themselves. Last year was a rough year for social emotional needs um, just in, in my classrooms. And I had a lot of kids that had a lot of issues um, 
and a lot of them stem from you know they were online and on some anonymous website and people say things and when you're anonymous people say really mean things and so um you know every single one of my students have something to offer to the world and so i just wish that they can see what they have to offer i wish they could see themselves the way i see them oh, you're so lucky <laughs> if i could change one thing about teaching it would be um, the emphasis on testing, I think, is probably every teacher's answer. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. You know, assessment is important and it has its place, um, but the it it should not it should be to check where your students are, not to um, drive your students. Kids are getting burned out for testing by the time they're in seventh grade. They should still be excited to learn when they're in seventh grade. They should. So I know, congratulations, that you were a finalist for Teacher of the Year, and you missed it by just a little bit and everything, but there are many, many other opportunities. And uh, after everyone's listened to all of this, they, it will be very clear to them why you were Teacher of the Year. So I know with Teacher of the Year, you have to have like a message that you want to pass on here again, and you want to be like the face of education and the message that you're trying to get everyone outside of education to understand. So as teacher of the year, the message I would like to take to the world would be. Wasn't ready for that question. Hold on. I got to think about that for a second. <laughs> it wasn't one of your questions with the, uh, with the teacher of the year thing. They didn't ask that. Um, no, they had uh, questions more revolving around what we do in our classroom. Uh, you know, it was for the school and I'm sure that question I know if I've seen it with um, my husband was a district finalist. So that was in the district finalist um, questions, but I haven't thought about it for myself. <laughs> Sounds like your son's destined to be a teacher. Two teachers of the year as parents. It's going to be like. Uh, you know what he does he likes he does like to teach um, and he will tell him you know use two hands to drink with your cup and he if you don't use two hands he'll be like no use two hands <laughs> <laughs> so he loves it okay so back to your question <laughs> um, <laughs> I think um, my message would be that um, I keep going back to, it's been weighing on my mind lately, is just uh, how much potential that all students have. Um, you know, they move at all different varying rates. At my school, I have uh, United Sound, which is where my students uh, teach some of the self-contained ESE students band instruments. Um, and so I've worked with all different types of students across my school and and they all have potential. They all can do it and they can, they just do it at different speeds. That's a great message because we, what we're doing in education is we're saying that we have to put every kid in a box. Everybody's got to fit in the same box. Yet we talk out the other side of our mouth and we say, but differentiation, every kid is special and unique and no child should be left behind. Mm -hmm. That's, that's contradictory. You know, right. when we're doing standardized testing and, and expecting every kid to be a number on a chart or a standard right. from a list. And so right. you said it beautifully. That's exactly how I feel and how most teachers feel. 
And that's what the world needs to learn and know. So that's a great message because we have decision makers, lawmakers that are not teachers or they don't remember what it was like to be in the classroom or they do and maybe it wasn't a great experience. And so then they take that negative and they tend to have those lend days and yes. they're, they're not rose colored, but they're, 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 the prescription is more negative and they tend to look at education in a very negative way and that's just not healthy and it's not good for children. So No, I feel like, um, well, I feel like it for any profession, if you don't have experience, but you're making decisions, you should go in and see what it's all about and um, talk to the people who, who are experts in that field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Very wise advice. <laughs> so but thank you for, for talking to us and sharing your story and convince your husband that he needs to come on and talk to us about science, especially oh, he was definitely. a district finalist and everything. He's got oh, yeah. probably a lot of stories to tell about his learning journey in the, in the classroom, especially with science. It's a little bit like um, with band, I would imagine. There are a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving students, and being able to see the bigger picture and being able to have good classroom management, and, but also a heart that will allow for the students to be themselves but within an organized structure, it, it, it's a balancing act and it, it takes a special person to do that, so. Oh yeah, and he is really great at what he does. When I first started teaching, um, I was going to be a band director, but I got hired as an elementary music teacher. <laughs> so I, um, I had my music experience, but uh, my college didn't necessarily prepare, prepare me as well to be an elementary teacher as a junior high teacher. Um, so my first year, I was so stressed and um, like his students loved him and he was so happy with his job. And I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be just like you. <laughs> um, like I just could not wait till I had my act together the way he had his act together. Um, so he's, he's a really great teacher. Oh, that's so kind of you to say that. I, I hope he listens to the podcast and hears it and then makes you dinner, or brings you flowers. Cause <laughs> oh, yes. Bring me flowers. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Amanda, and good luck with this year. I know it's challenging. And, you know, maybe when you come down this way, we can, and we're not social distancing, I'd like to meet your husband. And I'd oh, like definitely. to meet your son and, uh, and reminisce on our west shore days oh yes that would be a lot of fun <laughs> it would be all right well thank you again 